an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. There's plenty to celebrate in March. And ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. The 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting podcast with Greg Peterson. Hey, welcome to, welcome to Wolfie Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a tremendous show for you as in the second segment. It is going to be no guest, but rather myself giving you guys just a little bit of what we've seen from Major League Baseball up until this point. Give you guys some of the teams that have been profitable, what trends have been hot, teams that have been hitting the over on the road, what have you. So, We're essentially going to be doing trend spotting in the second segment on this podcast when it comes to the MLB. In the final segment, I'm going to give you guys a side in total on every game on Tuesday's MLB betting board and a little something you like to call, touch them all. First things first, always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions. If there is something that you'd like answered, fire that into my Twitter timeline at JRSQuarty1. If you send these via direct message, well, letters EM to me, me does not matter. Did get in one today, so let's dive into it. So you have questions and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. the Twitter mailbag today is sponsored by MyBookie. If you're looking to get on the action because 
We have all sports back. It looks like we're going to have a glorious college basketball season. Obviously, we're up and running with the MLB, NFL, so much more. Then the best place to do so is at my bookie. If you've never bet with my bookie before, you've got a tremendous chance to jump in right now. Use the promo code GREG when you sign up and make your first deposit. That is my name, G-R-E-G. There's nothing special with it. There's no, like, double Gs or anything like that. Just G-R-E-G. And you get your first deposit double, dollar for dollar, up to $1,000. And you're able to do a variety of bets there. Prop bets, obviously the side in total, futures plays, so much more. So a big thanks of my bookie for sponsoring the Twitter mailbag today. We get this one in from NFL Prop Bets. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL Prop Bets. He asks, at GNRS41, do you ever analyze your picks by how well you're doing with one specific team? I think you've had the Baltimore Orioles over several times, and they have been an under-result. And this is one of these things where, for one, you've got to take a look at not just the results, but how the results get there. Obviously, the Baltimore Orioles wound up playing a bunch of unders in their series against the New York Yankees, but... We obviously, we're going to be getting to this in a few minutes, but they played a massive, massive over on Monday against the Atlanta Braves, but it's one of these things where you've got to take a look at it just for the entire season. Obviously, I wound up taking a bunch of overs in that Orioles versus Yankees series, and pretty much all of them except for one of those games in the doubleheader did not wind up coming through, but you also saw the series against the New York Mets be a massive over for this team. If you're taking a look for the year, the Baltimore Orioles have been a very interesting case study just because they are a team that you have to evaluate a little bit differently from the beginning of the year to the end of the year because they wound up selling off quite a few pieces at the trade deadline including Miguel Castro. Michael Givens as well so it is one of these things where just the raw numbers alone does not allow for looking at some of these things like what we saw with the Minnesota Twins versus the Chicago White Sox game as well I'm going to be getting into that obviously in a few minutes as well but where you wind up having the Twins score one run while stranding 15 men on base that is one of those things that we would like to call an outlier and it's just one of these things in which when it comes to evaluating these teams what I like to do is I like to keep mental notes it's not one of these things where I keep track of on a spreadsheet because for one, I don't have more than 24 hours in a day and if I tried to, well, it would certainly be a very interesting situation, but if you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles for the year, 22, 21, and 4 to the over for the entire season, so it's one of these things where if you're blindly betting overs, if you're blindly betting unders when it comes to the Baltimore Orioles, you're pretty much breaking even right now, let's be honest here, it all depends on the juice, obviously you're losing a little bit more on the under, but something where you gotta be taking a look at, not only are you having success slash failure when it comes to your bets, but you also have to be taking a look at how they wind up getting there because how you're getting to those results sometimes is even bigger than that because we're seeing him with Dylan Cease right now. He's got an ERA that is hovering right around three. His fielding independent is north of a 5-5 and he was terribly lucky to get out of that game against the Minnesota Twins having allowed just one run, giving up five hits, five walks, and under five innings, and he winds up giving up one run. That's one of those things where it's like, if this happens 10 times, out of all 10 of those times, how many times does he give up one run or fewer? Very, very few. So it is something where you want to be taking notes of how you're doing with regards to teams on an individual standpoint. But more importantly than the record, what sort of a read are you having? If you're having good reads that just aren't getting there, well, eventually they are going to get there. And at the same time, if you wind up having like 
in over between the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers. The game would have been, say, 1-1 to going in extra innings and somehow some way that would get over. Sure, on paper, you wound up getting the over, but at the same time, was that really a good read? Probably not. So it is something where you want to be taking mental notes of how you're doing team by team, but more importantly than that, just the overall read that you have on them and... Try to find out specifically how some of these bets are going right slash going wrong. Because if you had the New York Mets unders during the 2019 season, especially in the first half of the year, you probably were looking good going into so many of those late-ending spots, and then the bullpen just kept on blowing it time and time again. It's very important to distinguish, okay, is this just a little bit of an outlier situation, or is the Mets bullpen really just that bad during the 2019 season? It was a case of, well, you just can't trust the New York Mets bullpen. Meanwhile, if you wind up having Josh Hader give up a pair of home runs like he did against the Chicago Cubs, that might be a little bit more of an outlier as well. So hopefully that answers your question. And something else that is very questionable, the baseball that we saw Monday, it was very interesting. So let's give you guys a little bit of a look back at that. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. We had three games on Monday that weren't a part of doubleheaders, and the one on the West Coast was one that went the way of the San Diego Padres. They wind up taking down the LA Dodgers by kind of 72. For Clayton Kershaw, he wound up getting touched up a little bit late in this game. He goes six and a third innings, giving up three runs, and the LA Dodgers, who wind up having... The best bullpen ERA in the National League going into this game, well, it certainly let them down now. A lot of this can be contributed to errors as well, as Max Muncy had a bad error out there in the field, but as a result, Pedro Baez comes into this game, doesn't record a single out. He gives up three runs, one of which was earned, and then you also have coming into this game Josh Shorbich. He winds up giving up a run in an inning as well. As we know, the Dodgers on Sunday wound up playing a bullpen game, so they were a little bit depleted there, and something that was not depleted, the San Diego Padres offense, as Will Myers was able to get a home run off of Shorbich. That was his 13th of the season, then Trent Gershom touches them all against Clayton Kershaw shot for his eighth, and Donaldson Lament. Going into this game, he had not given up a single run his first time through the order. That obviously is the best mark out there in baseball, and once again, a very solid outing. He winds up giving up one run, and he strikes out 11 over the course of seven innings. From there, Drew Pomerantz and Pierce Johnson were able to close out the game, and in the ninth inning, if you had the under like me, well, the San Diego Padres had a fielding error from Manny Machado that wound up allowing the Dodgers to score their second run of the game, and thus pushing the total over, so that was a little bit brutal. Now, this is just absolutely terrible. I was mentioning it a few minutes ago. Minnesota Twins wind up losing to the Chicago White Sox by a count of 3-1. to one. How terribly lucky has Dylan Cease gotten this year? He now has a 320 ERA, 4-2 innings. He gives up 5 hits, 5 walks, and he gives up 1 run. I mean, I just don't know how to explain it. And then from there, you wind up having the bullpen of the White Sox hold down the fort. Cody Hearer was able to give the team a solid inning. He gives up two hits, two walks, and he doesn't give up any runs. Evan Marshall was much more clean. He gets four outs. He doesn't allow anything. Gio Gonzalez came in for a couple outs. And then Alex Colome somehow, someway holds it down. It looked like Byron Buxton had a home run. Instead, they ruled it a ground rule double. So there was that for the White Sox. They themselves did not do a great job with men in scoring position. Three of 13 with runners in scoring position at the plate. They strained 12 men on base. And for the Minnesota Twins, how about two of 16 with runners in scoring position, stranding 15 men on base. Jose Barrios, he was very lucky that he only gave up one run. He went five innings. He gave up six hits, one walk, and he only gives up the one. And then from there, Taylor Rogers comes out of the bullpen. He winds up giving up two runs, but Matt Whistler, Ty Duffy, and... 
Jorge Alcala wind up doing their job. They wind up giving up a grand total of zero runs over the course of two and two-thirds innings for those guys. So it was certainly a interesting spot as you wind up having a game with 27 men left on base yielding four runs. That is one of those where you declared an outlier. Something that would always be an outlier would be the Pittsburgh Pirates winning a game, and that did not happen on Monday as the Cincinnati Reds wound up taking game two very convincingly by kind of nine to four. Now the Pirates actually had a lead in this one as they wound up getting a pair of home runs. Cabrian Hayes gets his second home run of the campaign, and Josh Bell is seventh. Those b- both came off of Anthony D. Scalfani, who, for his career, has just been really bad against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I believe that he has a 3-7 and seven record against them. He winds up giving up those two home runs, along with four total runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings, and then from there, bullpen was certainly able to do their job as Archie Bradley, Nick Jones, Jose De Leon were able to come in, and they were able to hold down the fort for a combined two and a third innings of scoreless baseball. And for the Cincinnati Reds, they wind up getting nine runs on five hits. That's just absolutely absurd. Joey Votto gets his ninth home run in the campaign. Mike Moussak is his fifth. And then Brian Goodwin is second. As for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Mitch Keller wound up having a rough go of it out there. He winds up going three innings. He gives up three runs, all of which were in two home runs, four walks. So he certainly did not have a great ride there. Colin winds up giving up a run as well. And then Nick Turley comes into the game in relief while the team had a lead. He gives up two runs in two-thirds of an inning. And then Jeff Hartley, he wound up compounding it, giving up three runs, two of which were earned without recording a single out. So the Pittsburgh Pirates fall to 14-32. and 32. And in the game prior, if you had the Reds run line like myself, this was a pretty nice one. As Trevor Bauer winds up getting a no decision, but the Reds still get the win by a count of 3-1 to one for Trevor Bauer. Tough that he got a no decision. Six and a third innings. He gives up one run, striking out 12. Now, he did give up a home run for that one run. Colin Moran gets his eighth home run on the campaign. That was in the seventh inning of a seven inning double dip. But for the Pirates, they go 0 of 6 with Ben in scoring position. Cody Ponce actually looked very good in this one. He gives up one run over the course of four innings, but then you wind up having Sam Maurer come into the game. He winds up giving up a two run shot to walk it off to Tyler Stevenson, who gets his second. And prior to that, Joey Votto winds up getting his eighth home run of the campaign. So certainly an interesting day there. We saw another doubleheader out there in the NL Central. The Brewers take game one of their double dip with the St. Louis Cardinals by a count of two to one. This was after eight innings for the St. Louis Cardinals and Milwaukee Brewers. Nothing doing in the first seven innings as the KBO All-Stars one young Kim along with Josh Lindblom were both solid. For Kim, seven scoreless innings. For Lindblom, five scoreless. And then Ryan Hazili comes in for the St. Louis Cardinals. He records one out, but he gives up two runs, only one of which was earned as both of these teams just had nothing going with men in scoring position. They wind up going a combined two of 12 with that regard. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, Devin Williams, Josh Hader were able to extend the game. Freddie Peralta gave up that one unearned run, but the Brewers were able to get a nice double off of Ryan Braun, and he winds up being able to allow the team to get to victory. And for the Brewers in Game 2, it was just nothing doing against the St. Louis Cardinals. 3-2 to two the final this one. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, they certainly should have had more runs up on the board as they wind up surrounding 14 men on base. It was a big theme from Monday. They do wind up going 5-20 with runners in scoring position though. And Daniel Ponce de Leon, his best start of the year, he gives up two runs over the course of six innings. He's had a massive walks issue so far this season. He winds up giving up one walk in this game. And then from there, Genesis Cabrera, Taylor Webb, Alex Reyes, all pitch scoreless innings, and all wind up not giving up a single hit. And for Reyes and Cabrera, they wind up striking out the side. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, they wind up getting a pretty solid start out of Coben Boone. Now, he winds up evading a lot of danger, but four and two-thirds innings, he winds up punching out 10. Alex Claudio, Eric Yardley, and Drew Rasmussen from there were able to do a solid job. And then you wind up having Justin Tapa come into the ninth inning. He was unable to keep the man on second from scoring. And for the Brewers, they go 0 of 8 with runners in scoring position, stranding eight men on base if you wound up having the over in that game. 
My goodness, that is a tough one. If you wound up having the Philadelphia Phillies, this is one in which you just really didn't have any hope whatsoever. The Miami Marlins get a 6-2 win. Vince Velasquez continues to be Vince Velasquez. He gives up four runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings. Bullpen from there was actually quite solid. You do wind up having David Phelps give up two runs in one and a third innings, but by and large, you wind up getting four and a third out of the bullpen. They give up two runs for the Philadelphia Phillies with an ERA in the bullpen north of seven. You'll take that. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, both their runs came off the solo home runs. Brad Boxberger served one up to Scott Kingery, second of the campaign, and for Andrew McCutcheon, he winds up getting his seventh. That came off of Pablo Lopez, and that was the only damage that he gave up. As for Lopez, he gives up that one run over the course of seven innings. Brad Boxberger gives up a home run as well, but Brian Kinsler was able to close things out in the ninth for the Miami Marlins. This is a bunch that they were able to get a pair of home runs themselves. The Marte Parte is now going on in Miami as Starling Marte gets his fifth home run in the campaign that came off of Phelps, and then Phelps also served one up to Miguel Rojas for his third home run of the season, and then you wound up having a doubleheader out there in Seattle as well. Mariners wound up making a ferocious comeback to take down the Oakland A's by a count of 6-5. The Oakland A's wound up having a 5-0 lead in this one, and then Jesus Lazardo wound up just not being able to hold it down. Lazardo has been a little bit of a disappointment this year as he gives up four runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings as he gave up three home runs to the Seattle Mariners. Going deep for the Seattle Mariners, Jorge Mamajoles. He winds up getting his sixth home run campaign. Then you have Kyle Lewis going deep for his tenth home run this season. And then this is a team that has really been dealing with some catcher issues, but Luis Torrens is going to be open to provide a little bit of stability. His first for Marco Gonzalez. He gets the win, though this was probably his worst showing of the season. He gives up a pair of home runs, giving up five runs over the course of six innings, and Yoshi Arano was able to hold down things in the seventh inning. But for the Oakland A's, pair of home runs in this one. Sean Murphy and Marcus Simeon were able to get their 6th and 7th home runs respectively, but for the Oakland A's, they go 2 of 8 with men in scoring position, and for the bullpen, Joaquin Soria, he records 2 outs, but he gives up 2 runs in the process, so that was not necessarily terrific, but in Game 2, the Oakland A's came back with a vengeance, and they wind up taking down the Seattle Mariners by a count of 9 to nothing as Mike Miner gives up 2 hits, he goes the complete 7 innings, and for the Seattle Mariners, they did wind up getting some long relief out of Brady Lale, he winds up going a grand total of 4 innings, he does give up 3 runs, but it was former KBO, I would say solid pitcher for the Doosan Bears, Seth Frankoff, who comes into this game, gives up five runs while recording five outs, and Jacob Iacobonis wound up getting the open in this one. He winds up giving up one run in the course of four outs, and then from there, Frankoff just wasn't able to get anything going. As for the Oakland A's, they were able to get a pair of home runs in this one. Jake Lamb, Fresh from being released by the Arizona Diamondbacks, winds up getting his first home run of the season, and then Mark Canna. Yes, he can go deep. He winds up getting his fourth home run of the season, so that was obviously very intriguing. And then the other game was one in which was not close at all. The Baltimore Orioles just wind up thrashing the Atlanta Braves by a count of 14-1 to for the Atlanta Braves. Tukey Desant just continues to struggle. He now has an 8.88 ERA, two two-thirds innings. He gives up eight runs, five of which were earned. And then Luke Jackson. Well, we remember him from his days with the Oregon Ducks, and I'm making a joke, of course. But with that said, he winds up recording seven outs in this one. He gives up five runs, all of which were earned. Bullpen from there wasn't too bad, as you wind up having Bryce Wilson, Grant Dayton, and Jacob Webb give up a combined one run while... 
being able to go a combined three innings, but for the Atlanta Braves, Freddie Freeman, the lone guy that was able to do anything for this offense, is a long home run the campaign as Jorge Lopez, probably the best start of his career. He gives up that home run to Freddie Freeman, seventh strong, giving up one run, and then from there, Carson Fulmer was able to give the team a scoreless setting along with Cole Solzer. So that's what we all noticed from Major League Baseball on Monday. Now let's talk about what we've noticed from Major League Baseball this season in general. I'm going to be giving you guys some trends, some stats, what have you, that we've all noticed from this MLB season. And that is on the other side right here on the Baseball Bang Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Las Vegas for the Baseball Bang Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. No guests today, so the hotline has myself. I think that was a very fitting introduction, but with that said, just want to give you guys a little bit of a look as to what we're noticing in Major League Baseball. I know that many of you guys asked me who are some of the best guys to bet on when it comes to starting pitchers are, what are some of the hot trends and what have you. So figured I would take like 10 to 12 minutes to just run through it a little bit here. If you're looking at your most profitable pitchers, now this is based on a $100 straight bet on all of these. So I just want to be throwing that out there before anyone jumps to any big conclusions. But this is all according to Odd Shark, your most profitable pitchers so far this year in Major League Baseball. They're not necessarily the guys that you'd expect. You always hear about guys like Jacob DeGrom, Mad Max Scherzer, and everything like that. Most profitable pitcher over the course of eight starts so far this year, Justin Dunn. If you bet him for 100 bucks in every one of his eight starts, $702 is what you made. And Johnny Cueto is number two. Now, Johnny Cueto, a little bit of a name, but you're up $557 over the course of 10 starts with him. This is a big reason why the San Francisco Giants have been such a highly profitable team. And then from there, you get a bunch of cast-offs from the Washington Nationals slash current Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty in six starts has been able to make you $533. Tanner Rourke plus $503. You're noticing a theme here. Less than sexy teams, guys that have okay ERAs, not great, not terrible. These guys that are very middle of the road, they're able to do it for you. Marco Gonzalez, a guy that was able to get to the window for you on Monday. You're up $498 if you bet every one of his starts. Brad Keller, of the course of seven starts, really the ace of the Kansas City Royals, plus $481. As we know, the Royals have been a little bit of a fade, but they've got another guy that's been highly profitable for you as well. Brady Singer, plus $394 if you bet him in every one of his starts. Then from there, you've got a couple injured pitchers. Wade LeBlanc over his six starts would have made you plus $470. Who knows if we're going to see him the rest of the season. And Max Freed, someone who's been solid for the Braves, but currently on the injured list, plus $439. And then if you're looking at guys on more of a per-start basis, Sandy Alcantara has only made four starts so far this year. You're going to be hearing that he's going to be getting a start on Tuesday. He's made you $358 if you've taken him in every one of his four starts. Drew Smiley has made two starts for the San Francisco Giants. Obviously, we haven't seen a lot of him, but plus $341 there. You're noticing a lot of guys from the San Francisco Giants on this list as well as Trevor Kale. He's made six starts. He's plus $342 for you as well. Denelson Lamette, a little bit more of a name. I don't think that this takes into account the Monday night win that the Padres were able to get over the LA Dodgers, but he's made you $323 over the course of his starts so far this year. And then if you're looking at the less profitable starters, you're going to notice that it's really guys that are on not-so-good teams as well. Austin Voth, Chris Bubich, along with Kyle Gibson and Trevor Williams all top this list. Now with Trevor Williams, nine starts. If you bet $100 on every one of them, minus $643. Kyle Gibson, nine starts. If you bet every one of them for $100, bucks, minus $638. Chris Bubich, Chris with a K, by the way, minus $628. And Austin Voth, minus $585 over the course of his eight starts. And then from there, you're looking at 
Bunch of guys that have relation to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Luke Weaver, minus $570 over the course of his 10 stars. Patrick Corbin, minus $553 over the course of his 9. John Means, 8 stars, minus $534. And Zach Ungodly-Awful, minus $509 over the course of his 7 stars. The theme there, teams that have been really bad have some guys that are highly profitable and some guys that, let's face it, really not so much. More of these teams that are winning a lot slash are middle of the road, they're going to have more middle of the road odds and that, as a result, is going to cause for a little bit less of a boom slash bust. So I think that that's very interesting. And then obviously, something that I've been noting on this podcast this year is just the up and down nature that we've seen when it comes to overs and unders. I go to covers for this just to take a look at the league trends of overs and unders so far this year. If you blindly bet the over in every one of these games, sitting at a 50.3% clip. I mean, it is about as even Steven as it gets. Overs are... 295, 291. So I think that that's very fascinating. Obviously, it throws out there a couple of pushes as well. But if you're taking a look more specifically at some of these other trends as well, road teams have come back to the pack a little bit. They are now 324 and 381. Obviously, that means that home teams, and this is just on the money line and the money line alone, winning 54% of the games, 381 and 324. But what you want to look at is the last 30 days because in the last 30 days, Home teams have won at a clip of 56.8%. If you narrow that down to the last seven days, home teams have won 61.2% of their games. Perhaps it has to do with the weather. Perhaps it has to do with these teams getting used to the ballpark a little bit more, which is why typically you find home teams being a little bit more profitable during the latter months of the year, but that certainly has been interesting. What else has been interesting? The underdogs, because they started out the year absolutely atrociously, but if you're taking a look at the last 30 days, underdogs have won at a clip of 39.5%. 162 and 248, obviously, that is the money line and the money line only, and if you take a look for the year, more around 38.5% as for the year, 270 and 431. I think that that is a little bit intriguing, and when you take a look at the run line as well, teams have actually been doing a solid job on the run line away from home. 366 and 339. That is a 52% win rate. If you're taking a look at home favorites on the run line, 43.7%. I know that that's something that always gets thrown out there. Not to take the run line of a team that is at home just because they don't get those last ups. So far, they haven't necessarily been too bad because you got to think that a lot of those losses are straight up as well. So certainly something that I felt warranted a little bit of lip service on this podcast. And what else warrants a little bit of lip service is some of these teams that you're going to find that they're demonstratively better slash worse at home than on the road. I think a lot of people would be surprised to know that the Colorado Rockies so far this year, they have not been a good home team so far this year. 10 and 14, and this is just straight up, no against the spread or anything like that. This is just straight money line, 10 and 14 at home. I thought that they would be a little bit more solid there, but they're not the worst team at home here in 2020. Your worst team at home, that would be the Washington Nationals, 7 and 15. Boston Red Sox are not far behind because they've just been bad pretty much everywhere in 17. If you're looking for a machine at home, Minnesota Twins, 21-5. and five. That is by far the best. And then from there, the Slam Diego Padres. They got it done once again on Monday, 18-6. and six. When it comes to them being straight up, you've got to feel like there are some of these teams that they favor being at home a little bit more. And the San Francisco Giants wound up changing their ballpark dimensions a little bit for the 2020 season, 14-9 and nine at home. And the Toronto Blue Jays, obviously they're playing in a little bit of a different arena this year. 
12 and 7 is their mark at home. They've been one of the better teams at home. If you're looking for your road warriors, we know that the Tampa Bay Rays, they're certainly towards the top most years, and they are once again here. 14 and 9 is their away record, just straight up. Only two teams are better than them Chicago White Sox. Southsiders are 16 and 7, and the LA Dodgers, well, they've just been doing a little bit of winning everywhere since they've got the best record in the big leagues. 17 and 6 with that regard. If you're looking for a team with a pretty demonstrative split, Texas Rangers are 4 and 17 on the road. Now, the Pittsburgh Pirates are 5 and 18, but they're also a bottom 10 team when it comes to them winning at home as well. But the Giants, I mentioned how good they were at home so far this year on the road, 9 and 15. So, obviously, a little bit of something going on there. And the New York Yankees, 9 and 13 is their record on the road. At home, it's been vastly different at 17 and 8. So, I think that that's very intriguing. And then, if you're taking a look at your best. Over and under teams in the big leagues. Top over team, the Seattle Mariners. A lot of this has to do with the fact that they sold off a couple pieces at the deadline, and you're going to find that with number two as well. But for the Seattle Mariners, 19, 17, and 2 overall when it comes to hitting the over. And then the LA Angels, who wound up shipping off a couple pieces at the deadline as well, 28, 17, and 3. The Texas Rangers also did so. 26, 18, and 3 is their overmark, which I find very surprising because the Texas Rangers, bottom 10 in the big leagues in pretty much every offensive category. So that is something that you do want to take note of. And the under teams are certainly the ones that we've been talking about a lot on this podcast. Cleveland Indians top the list. 65.9% of their games have went under at 15, 29, and 3. I mean, this is really going to come as a shock to nobody. Their ERA overall is in the top two of the league. They're in the bottom five when it comes to producing runs. No shock there. Minnesota Twins going into the year would be a shock as what we've seen recently. This is a little bit less surprising. 16 overs, 30 unders, and two pushes. But what I find to be even more intriguing about the Minnesota Twins, I mentioned how they've had so much home success so far this year. Take a look at how they are doing to the under at home. Six overs, 20 unders. That is by far number one for any team at home. Number two is obviously... The Cleveland Indians at 7-14-2. But I think what you're also going to find very surprising is that the Washington Nationals have been very much an under-team when it comes to at home. 8-13-1, but when they hit the road, the Washington Nationals, they are your top over team out there in the big leagues. 15-4-1, and and the Texas Rangers are vastly different home-to-road as well. We talk about the new ballpark dimensions that they have with Globe Life. 14-6-1 is their overrate when it comes to on the road. At home, if you take a look at the Texas Rangers, this is more of a league average team at 12-12-2, and and I think it's been very intriguing to see what's been happening with Toronto, aka Buffalo, at home so far this year. 10 overs, 8 unders, and a push. So, it's been one of those things in which with Toronto, they have been one of the highest scoring teams at home so far this year, but a little bit of that is because you see these games that they're either 3-2, or they're like 10-2. It's one of these things in which you really don't get a lot of in-between with this team. And another team that has been offering you really no in-between whatsoever when it comes to winning and losing, that would be the LA Dodgers. What else I think is very intriguing is being able to cover the run line because the Dodgers have pretty much been a favorite in all their games. 27-20 and is how they've fared on the run line. If you're looking for your best team on the run line so far this year, Chicago White Sox, obviously they spent a little bit of time as an underdog. They are 30-16 and when it comes to covering the run line. And the team that is not covering the run line That'd be the Milwaukee Brewers. We've found them as a favorite quite a bit this year. A lot of this is because of Milwaukee Brewers. Their wins have come by one run. Their losses have been just complete and utter book kickings. 15 and 30. So if you've been taking them on the run line, it has not necessarily been going well for you. I find that to be a little bit interesting. And how about the Baltimore Orioles? Obviously, they have been finding themselves as an underdog more often than not, but on the run line, 
30 and 17 so far this year. And obviously the Miami COVID Marlins, 28 and 17. And when it comes to just a sheer money-making standard and a money-making only perspective, the teams that are in the top and the bottom, I feel like they're quite obvious. Right now, the most profitable team when it comes to just Major League Baseball in general are those Miami Marlins. They are up $1,006 if you bet them $100 on the money line. And this, according to Odd Shark, they have been just doing a great job there. But if you're looking for some of the least profitable teams, obviously the Arizona Diamondbacks, how big of a disappointment they are. They have been towards the top of that list. If you bet them $100 in every one of their games, you're down $1,125. But then after that, you have some stiff competition for essentially two through four. Number two is the Boston Red Sox. That's because of their record and their record only. They're down $1,081 if you bet them $100. But then the Washington Nationals and the New York Mets closely follow them. Now with the Washington Nationals, this makes sense. You're down $1,000 if you bet them in every one of their games. They're 17 and 28 straight up, but the Mets aren't necessarily terrible. 21 and 26 when it comes to their overall record, but you're down $1,013 if you bet them $100 in every one of their games, which I do find to be a little bit intriguing. And then you've got some of these other interesting cases like the San Francisco Giants. They're currently 23 and 24, but you made $840 if you bet them every single game. And that compares very favorably when you take a look at them versus the LA Dodgers because if you bet the Dodgers $100 in every one of their games, despite the fact that they're 33 and 15, you've only made $213. So that is something that I just find to be absolutely wonky and the entire NL Central has lost you money. The St. Louis Cardinals, Cincinnati Reds, Milwaukee Brewers, and Pittsburgh Pirates all in the red right now. The only team that has made you money, the Chicago Cubs, and that's only plus $245 with them. With the Reds, Brewers and Pittsburgh Pirates, they have all lost you at least $640. So I find that to be interesting. And then obviously the AL West has been another less than profitable one for you. Houston Astros at 23 and 24. You've lost $874 if you bet them every game. The Angels, due to their 20 and 28 record, minus $896. And the Texas Rangers at 17 and 30, minus $840. So that's a little bit of a look as to what's all been profitable and what's not been. And hopefully I can be profitable for you today as coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. They give you a sign total on every game on Tuesday's MLB betting board and something you like to call Touch Em All. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. We are back here in Lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Hopefully you enjoyed that look at everything that we're noticing in baseball so far this season from a trend standpoint. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you a sign total on every game on the MLB betting board for Tuesday. And a little something I like to call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GRNSCORD1. As per usual, we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order, and it looks like most of these games are actually on the board, which is going to be very nice. So we're going to be beginning with 901-902 on the betting board, as we do have the Washington Nationals hitting the road to face off against the Tampa Bay Rays. Annabelle Sanchez is going to be going for the Washington Nationals. Meanwhile, John 
John Curtis with two S's at the end of Curtis is going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. Your total on this game is nine. With the nine, the over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 on the over. Under is anywhere between even a minus 105 on the nine and a half. You've got an under of minus 120 and the over being at even. If you're looking at the Washington Nationals, you're in the plus price here. That plus price is anywhere between plus 155 and plus 165. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Tampa Bay Rays, anywhere between minus 170 and minus 185. I just can't trust in the Tampa Bay Rays in this spot. Now, John Curtis is someone that has made a start so far this year, but he's won 17 and a third innings throughout the entire campaign. In the one start that he did make, he wound up not even making it through three full innings. So you got to think that this is going to be a classic bullpen game here for the Tampa Bay Rays. And obviously, the Rays bullpen has been solid, but for the Washington Nationals, Juan Soto, along with Trey Turner down for one, have been very solid in the lineup for this bunch. Both of these guys hitting at minimum a 345. Now, we do know that Washington has wound up struggling against right-handed starters, but obviously, this is going to be a little bit of a different situation here with having an opener spot. But when you take a look at this Washington Nationals team as well, you've got quite a few guys doing a good job of getting on base. You've got Luis Garcia, Josh Harrison, Kurt Suzuki, all in between a 270 and a 280. On Gumps has been pretty solid for this team as well. You need a little bit more out of a few of these guys like Michael A. Taylor along with Eric Thames, who are both hitting between a 210 and a 220. And then you've got Victor Robles and Adam Eaton hitting in that 235 range. But this is a team that has been doing a solid job on offense. Meanwhile, for the Tampa Bay race, it's a little bit hit or miss as to what you're going to get out of this offense. Brandon Lau has been able to give them 12 home runs, 258 batting average, and Willie Adamas is getting on base along with Joey Wendell. Wendell's hitting more in the neighborhood of about a 260, and for Willie Adamas, he's hitting a 280. Mark Brussel has been used sparingly, but whenever he gets in there, he hits above a 300. And then you've got Randy Arozarena, who's been able to give this team a 400 on base as well, but you take a look at some of the slugs on this team. Nate Lowe, Yoshi Sutsogo, Michael Perez, Mike Zanino, along with Hunter Renfro. All these guys are hitting a 210 or lower. Now, Manuel Margot has been a nice surprise. He's hitting in the neighborhood of about a 280, but it's just hard to really get behind this team, and it's also hard to get behind Annabelle Sanchez. It has been an absolutely atrocious year from 2 of 4 record, 681 ERA. He's been taken deep 9 times in 38 and a third innings. Not necessarily much of a swing and miss guy, 30 punch outs in the process, but I do think that the Nationals should be able to get to Curtis and company. I do think that this is a Tampa Bay Rays bullpen that it's solid, but it's not necessarily great. There's nobody that necessarily knocks your socks off. Now, obviously them having a day off on Monday should mean that they're going to be pretty rested and ready to go. And when you take a look at Anibal Sanchez, he's been a little bit better recently. Three earned runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. Now, there was a start in which he gave up four runs, but only three of which were earned. So he seems to have stabilized a little bit more. I'm going to be taking a shot here with the Washington Nationals. I do like their lineup. They have been the victims of stranding a bunch of men on base, and I think that they're going to do a little bit of a better job of driving them in. So taking the over and the Nationals. 903-904 on the betting board is up next. You've got the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati. And they're going to be playing us the Pittsburgh Joe Musgrove is going to be going for the Buckos. Meanwhile, Michael Lorenzen is going to be making the start for the Cincinnati Reds. Your total on this game range between 8.5 and 9. On the 8.5 over is juice of minus 120. The under is even. If you're looking at the 9, the under is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between minus 105 and even. If you're taking a look at the red legs, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 125 and minus 135. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the plus price here with the Pittsburgh Pirates, you're going to be finding that anywhere between plus 115 and plus 125. It's 
just hard to back the Pittsburgh Pirates right now. They are absolutely terrible. 14 and 32. I told you guys on this podcast, if I had one future for the upcoming season, it would be the Pittsburgh Pirates under 25 wins. So far, so good. Now with Michael Lorenzen, this is someone that you can't expect a whole lot of length from. He has been a career leaver. He's made 15 appearances at 20 and two-thirds innings. This is someone that he'll oftentimes give you multiple innings when it comes to his relief appearances. And he's went as deep as four innings so far this year, and that was as recent as August 31st. So there is that. And this is someone that he's done a solid job so far this year of being able to keep the ball in the air, giving up three home runs. But the 14 walks are a little bit unsightly. He's a little bit more of a swing and miss guy, and he hasn't necessarily gotten a lot of that this year. And for Joe Musgrove, he has went 0-4 so far this year. That can't get much worse as he's gotten 26 strikeouts in 21 and two-thirds innings, but he also walks a bunch of guys. 13 walks in 21 and two-thirds innings. He's given up four home runs in the process. But these two offenses have been absolutely terrible. The Reds are hitting as a collective below a 215. The Pirates below a 225 for the Pirates. They're having a tough time getting any offense generated whatsoever. They've got 39 home runs over the course of 46 games. They and the Arizona Diamondbacks are on the bottom of the National League when it comes to that regard. Now, the Reds do have some power in their lineup, so that is something that they have going for them, but... Their best hitter, in my opinion, and Jesse Winker, he is currently out of the fold. That is not necessarily very good. You wind up having two guys during the doubleheader on Monday that have currently a batting average above a 235, and neither of these guys play very much. Kyle Farmer is hitting a 255, and then you had the man that wound up hitting the walk-off winner for you for the Reds in Tyler Stevenson. Stevenson, I think, has seen like 15 at-bats so far this year, so, I mean, there is that. You've got just a bunch of guys hitting between a 220 and a 230 for this team. Joey Votto, Shogo Akiyama, Nick Cassianos are all falling into that range, and then you wind up having Eugenio Suarez along with Freddie Galvis, Kirk Caselli, hitting more in the neighborhood of a 210. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, you have a couple more guys that are doing a better job of getting on base. Call Moran and Eric Gonzalez are in the neighborhood of a 260. And Brian Hayes, ever since he got called up, he was one of the highly rated prospects that the Pittsburgh Pirates had by MLB Pipeline. I believe he was in their top five going into this season. 316 batting average. And then Jacob Sellings, he's able to contribute a 275, but you just expected more out of Josh Bell. He has his batting average up to a 242, but he had 115 RBI during the 2019 season. 18 so far this year. His lack of power has really shown through. The Marte Parte being broken up with this team also did not help. Starling Marte no longer with this team, nor is he with the Arizona Diamondbacks, so there is that, but you wind up having Gregory Polanco hitting a buck 42. Brian Reynolds, a 179. JT Riddle has been a riddle at the plate as he's hitting below 200. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they had to use up a lot of bullpen arms in the second game of their double dip against the Cincinnati Reds. Now, the Reds themselves are going to have to deal with a little bit of that as Archie Bradley wound up being used for 24 pitches. So he's likely not going to be available in this one, but you're probably going to have someone like Lucas Sims who has been able to start before, being able to give this team multiple innings. I do think that it's going to be an almighty struggle for both of these offenses, as it has been all year long for them. So I'm going to wind up going with this total under, but we're going to ride with the Cincinnati Reds in the spot. Certainly don't want to be laying multiple runs with them, so we're going to be taking their money line to go along with this under. We move on to game number 905-906 on the betting board, as you've got the Boston Red Sox, and they are going to be hitting the road to face off against the Miami Marlins. Cindy Alcantara is going to be going for the Miami Marlins. Meanwhile, you're going to be having the first career start for... Red Sox starter Tanner Houck. So this is a game that is presently off the board. Now taking a look at Mr. Houck, he wound up pitching three years in the SEC for Missouri. He wasn't necessarily great at the NCAA level. 
17 and 18 record, 3.26 ERA, and yet he got drafted in the first round. Now, while he was in college, he wound up walking about two guys per nine innings. In the minor leagues, that is heightened to more than four guys per nine innings. He wound up pitching a little bit at the AAA level for Pawtucket during the 2019 season, but he was used more as a reliever there. He had a right around a 3.25 ERA, and that's out there in the independent league in which it's very friendly to pitchers. He wound up pitching most of the 2019 season with Portland out there at AA. He wound up having a 4.25 ERA there as a little bit more of a starter. He wound up giving up 9.5 hits per 9 innings, 3.5 walks per 9. Swing and miss stuff is there. For the season combined at all the AAA stops, more around 9 punch outs per 9 innings, but I mean, this is a guy that doesn't necessarily have great command. He never has had really any success whatsoever at the minor league level, at the NCAA level. I don't know about when he was playing coach pitch, but there is that. And then you've got Sandy Alcantara, who wound up being an all-star for the Miami Marlins during the 2019 season. Now, no question, he's been a little bit inconsistent here in 2020. He wound up dealing with COVID. In his last start, he wound up giving up six runs, three of which were earned. But the team is 3-1 in his starts, which is obviously very nice. Start before that against the Tampa Bay Rays. He went six strong, giving up just one run. And for the Miami Marlins, they back him up with a pretty solid bullpen. James White has really been a nice find for this team. You are probably going to have Yimi Garcia available. Brandon Kitzler wound up getting used up on Monday. But by and large, they've been able to do a good job even with guys like Josh Smith being able to perform. And for the Miami Marlins, they just have functional offense. There's nobody in this lineup that's really going to scare you. But Miguel Rojas is hitting a 370 with a 452 on base. He has been absolutely superb for this team. And they You've got Matt Joyce along with Garrett Cooper and Corey Dickerson all in between a 243 and a 264. You've been able to get Brad Anderson going a little bit as well. He's hitting more in the neighborhood of a 275. And then Jesus Aguiar and Starling, a part of the Marte Parte. Both have a 360 on base and both are in between a 295 and a 305. This is not a team that's going to rip a bunch of home runs on you, but they do a good job of being able to reach base. And for the Boston Red Sox, this is a team that their bullpen is absolutely terrible. I mean, no question about it. They're in the bottom five when it comes to bullpen ERA. A lot of that is because the starters have not been able to run them five-plus innings with Hoke being used as a combination of a reliever and a starter at the minor league level during the 2019 season. You gotta wonder if he's gonna be able to give this team much more than really three innings. And for the Boston Red Sox, this is a team that actually has some functional offense. You don't have to like the fact that Christian Vasquez had his first home run in over a month on Sunday, so he was able to get off the side there. He's hitting right around a 270. Bobby Dahlbeck wound up having a streak of five straight games in which he had a home run. He, Jackie Bradley Jr., Christian Arroyo, all guys hitting between a 264 and a 280. Now you need a little bit more out of guys like Michael Chavis. You wind up having someone like a Jonathan Arus, Zhu Wei Lin. All these guys have been hitting right around a 235 or lower, but Yadio Munoz is hitting a 382. Alex Verdugo has been doing a solid job. Rafael Devers is still in the fold. J.D. Martinez has had a lot of season to say the least, but this is a Boston team that they're able to hang a couple runs up on there on the board, and I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game. Certainly going to be going with it over. I just cannot take Hulk in this spot. I mean, I just can't do it. This is someone that he wasn't a winner in college. He wasn't a winner in the minors. He's not going to be a winner here. So we are going to be taking the Miami Marlins on the run line, seeing that right around minus 105, and we are going to be taking this little over as well. 907-908 is a game that is currently off the betting board as we've got the Baltimore Orioles playing OC Atlanta Braves. It is going to be Tom Shulman getting the start for the Baltimore Orioles. Meanwhile, Uskada Yanoa is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. Now, you know what? This guy has been used in a variety of different ways for the Atlanta Braves. You take a look at him. 
He's made four long relief appearances, three total starts, 14 and two-thirds innings for Yanoa. Yeah, it's not necessarily been terrific. He doesn't necessarily have the world's worst ERA at 675 compared to what he's done. He's only given up two home runs, but 12 blocks and 14 and two-thirds innings. I would actually expect it to be a little bit worse. And you take a look at it, the reason why his ERA is so high is because he wound up getting a start against Washington Nationals about two weeks ago. He gave up six runs while recording seven outs. That was just absolutely terrible. Meanwhile, for Thomas Shellman, this is someone that I'm surprised that he hasn't been chilled even worse. 3-0 record. He's got an ERA that is sub-4. But this is someone that he certainly does not throw gas. His fastball tops out right around 87, maybe 88 miles per hour if we want to be really polite. And he just hasn't necessarily gone deep into his starts. He has went past the fourth inning just twice so far this year. Gotten to the fifth inning just twice. And it's just one of these situations in which he wound up giving up right three home runs per nine innings during the 2019 season. Here in 2020, it certainly has been a little bit better, but he's still given up five home runs over the course of 25 innings. He is someone that is not going to walk you very much. He's only given up eight walks over the course of his 25 innings, but we know this with the Baltimore Orioles. This is a team that's a little bit depleted with their bullpen, with giving away Michael Givens along with Mr. Miguel Castro at the trade deadline. Now, you're going to have guys like Hunter Harvey along with Tanner Scott in the bullpen. And these guys are solid. But with the Atlanta Braves, you've got all of your big bombers that are going to be available. Shane Green, Mark Melanson, Darren O'Day and company. So you know is going to be backed up by a very good bullpen. And both of these teams are certainly able to hit. They're both in the top five when it comes to batting average for the Atlanta Braves. Ronald Acuna Jr., north of a 400 on base, double-digit amount of home runs. Freddie Freeman, Marcel Ozuna, Travis Arnault, all guys hitting at 313 or higher. Dansby Swanson has seen his batting average dip to right around a 285, but he He's still been solid. And then you've even got guys like Nick Markakis, Adam Duvall and company. They've been doing a good job. And Ozzy Albies, after having his batting average right around at 210 at this time last week, is now at 246. So he's starting to heat up. Meanwhile, for the Baltimore Orioles, gotta love what you're getting out of Ryan Mountcastle along with Jose Iglesias and Anser Alberto, who are all hitting above a 300. Pedro Severino is as well. He's been a little bit in and out of the fold. And Anthony Santander being on the 10-day injured list certainly hurts as well. He had been able to give this team a double-digit amount of home runs. He was doing solid. This is actually an upgrade, the fact that Chris Davis is currently on the 10-day injured list for the Baltimore Orioles. I didn't see that until now, but I mean, it certainly is very fitting as he pretty much has been a liability to the team all year long. Cedric Mullins, though, he is not as much of a liability. He's hitting at 275. Need a couple guys to be able to pick it up. Austin, the CAA's kid, along with Chance Sisko. He doesn't sing the thong song. Instead, he sings the, I'm merely hitting a 218, but with a 371 on base. He's one of the few guys that are able to walk in this lineup for Rio Ruiz, only about a 220 as well. You have been able to get a whole lot of something out of Renato Nunez, who's hitting at 255. He's been able to go deep for a double-digit amount of times, but you take a look at the Atlanta Braves. I like their bullpen a whole heck of a lot more than that of the Baltimore Orioles with a shellman. Just with the way that he has no velocity whatsoever, I think he's going to get hit, and I think he's going to get hit hard. So for that reason, I'm probably going to be looking at another over in this spot. We saw the Braves versus Baltimore Orioles game have a total right around 10-ish on Monday, I would expect something similar. Even if it was up to 11, I'd probably be taking a look at the over. And I'm probably going to be taking a look at the Atlanta Braves in some form or fashion. But check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at JRS41 in case something changes. 909-910 on the betting board is up next. You've got the New York Yankees, and they're going to be playing against the Toronto Blue Jays. 
Taiwan Walker is going to be going for the Jays. Meanwhile, Davey Garcia is going to be going for the Yankees. This is a Yankees line in which sees them right in between minus 152 and minus 162. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Toronto Blue Jays, anywhere between plus 140 and plus 147. Total on schemes, 9.5 unders, anywhere between minus 115 and minus 125. Overs anywhere between plus 105 and minus 105. Taiwan Walker, ever since coming over to Toronto, has been absolutely superb. And this is someone that has actually been just great all throughout the 2020 season. He had been badly injured the last couple years. And as a result, ever since he's come back, he's been great. Six home runs given up over the course of 42 and two-thirds innings. He could certainly live with that 295 ERA ever since being acquired by the Toronto Blue Jays. He's given up a combined two runs over the course of three starts now. He did wind up walking five in his last start against the New York Yankees, and as a result, he was only able to go four innings, but was able to evade danger, not giving up runs. And for Davey Garcia, he's been a little bit all over the place. He's made three starts so far. Very young and exciting prospect for the New York Yankees. His last start against the Blue Jays was very good. He won seven innings. He gave up two runs. Start before that against the Baltimore Orioles. He gives up four runs over the course of four and two-thirds innings. Not good. And his debut against the Mets, he gives up one unearned run over the course of six innings. So it's been a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Now with the New York Yankees. This is a bunch that they certainly have been able to get things rolling out of the bullpen. Adam Adovino, Tommy Canely is currently out of the fold, but you wind up having Araldis Chapman, who is back. Zach Britton. These guys have been able to do a very good job, along with Jonathan Older. Meanwhile, for the Toronto Blue Jays, this has been one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues as well. A.J. Cole, Anthony Bass, they certainly have been able to do their job, and for the Toronto Blue Jays, this is a team that has been really rolling recently. They get Bo Bichette back in the fold. That's big because they're currently without Tasker and Hernandez along with Rowdy Tellez. Both of these guys have been a little bit banged up for Bichette. He has been able to give this team a batting average for the year that is well above a 330. So that is something that you'd like to see. Vlad Guerrero Jr. has actually been a little bit of a slug on this team. He, John Davis, Jonathan VR, Travis Shaw, Santiago Espinal, all hitting between a 240 and a 250. You expected more out of Lager or Jr., but Kevon Biggio hitting a little bit above a 250. He's doing a much better job with his batting average than during the 2019 campaign. 372 on base. You need a little bit more out of the catcher spot. Danny Jansen and Reese McGuire certainly have not been able to get the job done, but they actually do have a little bit of a younger guy that saw a little bit of action during their weekend series against the New York Mets and Alejandro Kirk that a lot of people are bullish on. 21-year-old he wound up going one of three in his debut against the New York Mets, so that is obviously very good. And then you've got Randall Gritchick doing a great job of getting on base as well. I do think that this is going to be a solid pitching matchup between one gentleman of the Yankees that is very young, and Taiwan Walker has been able to resurrect his career. I think both of these bullpens are going to be able to hold up, but in the end, I actually like Walker a little bit more than Garcia. So for that reason, we're taking this little under, and I'm going to be riding with the Toronto Blue Jays at a plus price. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board is up next. You've got the Philadelphia Phillies playing out to the New York Metropolitans. Rick Porcell is going to be going for the Mets. Meanwhile, Jake Arrieta is on the bump for the Philadelphia Phillies. If you're looking at the Phillies, you are now getting a plus price on them. You're going to be finding them anywhere between even and seeing as high as plus 112. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Mets, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 115 and minus 122. Your total on this game is 9.5 with a 9.5. The over and under are anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, so pick your juice accordingly. And for Jake Arrieta and Rick Porcell, it has certainly been a trying year for both of these gentlemen. For Rick Porcell, I mean, it's just been a trying last couple of years. Now, to Rick Porcell's credit, he was given up more than a home run and a half per nine innings during the 2019 campaign. He's given up two in 43 innings so far here in 2020, but he's also given up 57 total hits in 43 innings, and he has kept down the walks with 10, but he's only getting 36 strikeouts. Meanwhile, for Jake Arrieta, 
little bit of the opposite for him. He's given up five home runs in 39 innings, 43 total hits, 554 ERA for Arietta. Meanwhile, for Purcell, it's more around a 607. And this is a Mets bullpen that has been just all over the place. They do wind up acquiring Miguel Castro to go along with Edwin Diaz and Jurisic Familia. So they've actually been halfway decent there. As we know, it's Philadelphia Phillies. Worst bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. And they're coming off a seven-game series with the Miami Marlins. But for the Philadelphia Phillies, this is a team that they're able to just flat-out mash. You take a look at what you're getting out of Bryce Harper, Andrew McCutcheon, Gene Segura. All these guys are hitting between a 253 and a 261. In the case of Harper, north of a 400 on base. And then Alec Baum has been hitting a 320. Reese Hoskins has been out of the fold the last couple days. But filling in for him, how about you get Phil Gosselin being able to give the team right around a 270. Batting average with a 333 on base. Rafael Marchand is a young 21-year-old that wanted making his debut against Miami Marlins. He was filling in for JT Riumito and Austin Knapp. All three of these catchers are really able to hit. And for Riumito, a double-digit amount of home runs. Who knows how long he's going to be out, but this team is still in good hands. D.D. Gregorius is hitting a 280 as well. He's going to be in. And Adam Hazley has been able to do a solid job as well. Then you take a look at the New York Mets. This is a bunch that they've really been able to get something out of Robinson Cano and Dom Smith. For Dom Smith, 333 batting average, 8 home runs. And for Robinson Cano, he He's still hitting well above a 300 as well. And then you're able to pair him up with quite a few guys that have been able to do a solid job of getting on base as well. Jeff McNeil, 390 on base, 319 batting average. Luis Galorme is hitting at 370 as well. Now you've been seeing Michael Conforto really take off, 428 on base, 343 batting average. Pete Alonso is not necessarily been his normal self, but he's still giving the team a double-digit amount of home runs amid Rosario along with Brandon Nimble, hitting between a 250 and a 260. Their acquisitions at the trade deadline and Robinson Chirinos along with Todd Father. Todd Frazier. Neither of these guys have necessarily been doing a whole heck of a lot, but they certainly have been solid out there in the lineup with both of these guys on the mound. I think that it's going to be a complete slugfest off of them. With Rick Purcell, I can just have absolutely no faith in him. Jake Arrieta has shown a couple more flashes of brilliance so far this year. I recognize that the Phillies are a little bit tired and they're a little bit beaten up, but in the end, I do think that they're going to be able to prevail. And then if you wind up having to go to the bullpen early, like I think is going to be the case for the Mets, I just don't think that you're going to be able to get anything that is necessarily great out of guys like Jason Shreve and company. So for that reason, going to be taking this total over, and we're going to be riding with the Philadelphia Phillies. 9-13, on the betting board is up next. Detroit Tigers are going to be playing against the Kansas City Royals. The Duff Man, Danny Duffy, is going to be going for the Royals. Meanwhile, Matthew Boyd is on the bump for the Detroit Tigers. Your total on this game is between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 8.5, your over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Meanwhile, the under is anywhere between minus 120 and minus 110. If you're taking a look at the 9, under is minus 120 and the over is even. The Detroit Tigers are a very slight favorite here, anywhere between minus 104 and minus 117. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Kansas City Royals, you're going to find them as high as a minus 106, as high as a plus 102 as well. So you certainly have a little bit of a pick'em game here, and I just can have absolutely no faith in Matthew Boyd. Ever since the beginning of June of 2019, he's given up more than two and a half home runs per nine innings, and he wound up starting a game in which the Milwaukee Brewers played 19 runs. In the six games ever since he started that game for the Milwaukee Brewers, they have scored two or fewer in every single one of those other games. That shows you just how much this guy sucks. I mean, I think the team has won two of its starts so far this year, and one of those starts they had to score 17 runs against the Pittsburgh Pirates. 
Now, Boyd has been a little bit better recently. Three runs of fear were given up in four out of his last five starts, but even in this run, he has still given up a grand total of eight home runs in his last five starts. I mean, it is just absolutely deplorable how much hard contact he gives up. Meanwhile, for Danny Duffy, it's not like this guy is magnificent, for, but a 424 ERA, he too has had a little bit of a home runs issue. He's given up eight of them in the course of 46 and two-thirds innings, but you take a look at him recently, he has given up one earned run or fewer in three out of his last five starts, three earned runs or fewer in four out of his last five, so he certainly has been able to hold down the fourth there. 47 strikeouts in 46 and two-thirds innings, and I do like the fact that both of these bullpens are a little bit sneaky. Guys like Greg Hall and Scott Barlow and company have been very good for the Kansas City Royals. Meanwhile, Gregory Soto, failed starter for the Tigers. He's been able to do a good job of the bullpen. Kyle Funkhauser, Jose Cicerno, and gentlemen like that. You do have to like what you're getting there. And for the Kansas City Royals, this is a team that they come in on actually a very, very good run. I believe that they have now won each out of their last six games. And for the Kansas City Royals, this is a team that's getting healthier. Salvador Perez wound up spending some time on the injured list. He's now hitting a 333 at a huge series against the poopy Pittsburgh Pirates. You've got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with their batting average. You've got Edelberto Mondesi along with... Alex Gordon, Nicky Lopez, and a little bit of a younger gentleman in Nick Heath, all in between a 222 and a 230. And then you take a look at what you've been able to get out of Mikel Franco and Whit Merrifield. Both of these guys in between a 273 and a 284 with an on base percentage that's hovering right in the neighborhood of about a 320 under Dozier has been solid as well. So you do like that, even though Jorge Soler has been out of the fold recently, they've been able to keep their offense going. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, this is a team that they've got quite a few guys that are doing an okay job of getting on base. Now, you would like to see a little bit more out of Miguel Cabrera. He's hit a couple more home runs so far this year, but he's hitting more in the neighborhood of about a 240, so there's a little bit of something to be desired there, but Victor Reyes, Willie Castro, along with Jameer Candelario, early guys hitting a 300 or higher, and then you've got Jorge Bonifacio and Austin Romine in between a 240 and a 250. It certainly has been a little bit of slog for Romine recently, and you need to get a little bit more out of guys like Isaac Paredes, Des Cameron, both of these guys are hitting below a 200 along with Grayson Griner, so you've got a little bit of feast or famine there, but I do think that Duffy gives up a couple runs here too, what is a little bit of a top-heavy Detroit Tigers team, but absolutely no faith here in Matthew Boyd. I think he's going to give up more hard contact, so for that reason, going to be going with the Royals and the total over. 915-916 on the betting board is up next. You've got the St. Louis Cardinals hitting the road to face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Brad Anderson is going to be going for the Brew Crew. Captain Jack Flaherty is on the bump for the St. Louis Cardinals. If you're looking at the Cardinals, you're going to be playing anywhere between minus 143 and minus 150, your plus price here with the Brewers. is anywhere between plus 127 and plus 136. Total on this game, ranging between 8 and 8.5. On the 8.5, under is anywhere between minus 120 minus 130. Over is anywhere between even plus 110. On the 8, your over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 105. For Brad Anderson, he certainly has been able to put together a solid 2020. He wound up not necessarily having the world's best start of the year, but he's given up four runs or fewer in every one of his starts so far this year. 464 ERA. His hard contact has been a little bit higher than you'd like. Five home runs given up in the course of 33 innings, but he's also only given up seven walks. Never been much of a swing and miss guy. 21 strikeouts so far this year, but then you take a look at Jack Flaherty. This is someone that we had talked about it with our good buddy Danny Vietti on the podcast yesterday. He just hasn't been fully stretched out yet. He has went five innings or fewer in every one of the team starts ever since the 
COVID situation wound up striking this team, and he wound up having a tremendous opening day start against the Pittsburgh Pirates, but by and large, he's been solid. He's given up three runs or fewer in every one of his starts so far this year. Now, he had one absolute blow-up start against the Chicago Cubs in which he gave up three runs in two and two-thirds innings, but by and large, he certainly has been able to do his job. The swing and miss stuff is still there for him. 27 punch-outs in 26 and two-thirds innings. And with these teams having played multiple extra inning doubleheader games, you got to think that the bullpens are going to be a little bit taxed for the Brewers. Josh Hader and Devin Williams were using game one. For the St. Louis Cardinals, really everyone other than maybe Jake Woodford, who was used the day before, and Andrew Miller wound up having to come into one of those two games. So you got to think that length is going to be imperative for the St. Louis Cardinals. You can tell that this offense is starting to sink a little bit when it comes to their batting average. Tommy Edmond, Colton Wong, along with Brad Miller, all in between a 255 and a 262. Now for Miller, 394 on base, which is huge. And Paul Goldschmidt, still a 440 on base, 312 batting average. Paul DeYoung sitting above a 300. And then you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Yadier Molina, though he's been in and out of the full recently. And as a result, You've got Lane Thomas, Matt Wieters, along with Tyler O'Neill hitting below the Mendoza line of 200. And then you've got Raniel Rovello, who's hitting a 227 and hitting a similar 227 to Saracen Bader, though he's been able to give the team a couple home runs. And for the Milwaukee Brewers, ever since that 19-run outburst against the Detroit Tigers, two runs or fewer in every game ever since then. I mean, it is absolutely comical how bad this team has been at being able to generate some offense. Now, you do have a couple guys that are hitting halfway decent. Luis Arias, along with Avisel Garcia, are hitting in the neighborhood of about a 250. And then you've also got a little bit of a younger guy that's one of the better prospects for this team, and Tyrone Taylor, who's been able to hit more in the neighborhood of a 260. But then you've got Orlando Arcio, who's seen his batting average dip to about a 240. And then from there, Ryan Braun, Kesson Yura, Christian Yelich, Daniel Vogelback, Eric Sogard, Jace Peterson, Jacob Nottingham, Omir Nervais, all hitting a 225 or lower. It's been absolutely terrible. With the Milwaukee Brewers, they used up all their trustworthy bullpen pieces in that doubleheader. I think that Brett Anderson is actually going to be able to lend himself a very nice start here. But I think that Captain Jack Flaherty is going to go 6-plus in this one. I think that he's going to sign me to the Milwaukee Brewers. And I think that the Cardinals get it done in what should be just an absolutely low-scoring game because I just don't think the Brewers are going to score 3-plus here. So we're taking the under and the St. Louis Cardinals. 9-17-9-18 on the betting board is up next. The Texas Rangers are going to be hitting the road face off against the Houston Astros. Jose Urquidy going to be going for the Astros. Meanwhile, you've got Kyle Cody who's going to be going for the Texas Rangers. If you're looking at the Rangers, you're going to be getting a big plus price here. Anywhere between plus 180 and plus 190. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Houston Astros, you're going to be laying north of $2 pretty much wherever you look. Anywhere between minus 205 and minus 220. Your total on this game is 9. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120 on the juice. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. With Jose Urquidy, he has been able to come back for the team and give them a little bit of something. And for Kyle Cody... 0.93 ERA so far this year over the course of three long relief appearances and two starts. I will say this for Mr. Cody as well. He has not went north of three innings in any of his appearances so far this year, and he is terribly lucky to have this ERA. He's given up eight walks in nine and two-thirds innings, and he's given up two runs, one of which was earned. I mean, this is just one of those things where it's just like what I was talking about with Dylan Cease. You got to feel like reaction is going to kick in for the Texas Rangers. This is a team that they are going to have their bullpen pieces ready to go. You got guys like Rafael Montero and Cody. They're going to be able to come into this game. Jonathan Hernandez has been okay, but what are you going to get out of the offense? It was a little bit better in their series against the Oakland A's, and you do have a couple guys that are starting to do something for this team. Nick Solak is hitting a 260. I do like what they're getting out of Anderson Teada at right around a 286, and Isaiah Kinnear-Falefa, 321 
batting average, 466 on base. But then you take a look. Eli White, Jeff Mathis, Dan Diedrich, Joey Gallo, Sinshu Chu, Elvis Andrews. List goes on and on of guys are in a 230 or lower. Laoti Tavares as well. And then when you take a look at the flip side for the Houston Astros, it seems like George Springer is starting to ignite for this team. He's now got nine home runs, 240 batting average despite being on the injured list. Carlos Correa has not really found it with the bat. I believe he's now got four home runs, but he is hitting a 280 for this team. And then you've been able to get something out of Martin Maldonado, who has been in and out of the fold, but his on-base percentage hovering right around a 366. But he, along with Miles Straw, Josh Reddick, and Springer, hitting between a 235 and a 2 245 Alex Bregman being back though should be able to give this team a little bit of something. He's hitting a 250. Michael Brantley's hitting above a 300. He's got some pop in the bat so I do like what the Astros are able to bring to the table. Last time these two teams played you wound up having a bunch of unders out there in Houston. That was without George Springer though. Now this team is obviously going to be without Jose Altuve in the series as well but with the Houston Astros it's hard to think that Andre Scrub is going to be able to keep up having a sub 4 ERA with the fact that he's pretty much walking a guy per inning. Cy Snead has not necessarily been great out of the bullpen. Brooks Raley up and down, so I do think that there's going to be some run scored in this game, but I think the Kyle Cody is going to get absolutely crushed, and for Jose Urquidy, I think that he's probably going to go like four or five innings. He's made two starts so far this year. Went six strong, giving up two runs against the Oakland A's in his second start, first start. He's getting a little bit stretched out. He gave up two runs in three, two-thirds innings against the Angels. Certainly a lot more faith in Urquidy than against Mr. Cody, really the only guy that has been able to give the Texas Rangers victories ever since the Fernando Tatis Jr. Grand Slam situation has been Lance Lynn, so for that reason, we're going to be going with the Houston Astros and this total over. 919-920 on the betting board is up next. You've got the Chicago White Sox playing host to the Minnesota Twins. Randy Dominic going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. Dane Dunning is on the bump for the White Sox. Your total on this game is 9.5. With the 9.5, the under is just minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're taking a look at the Chicago White Sox, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 116 and minus 125. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Minnesota Twins is anywhere between plus 105 and plus 112. And I'm going to be taking a look at the Minnesota Twins in this spot. You can't think that they're going to leave 15 men on base and score one run in the process again. I mean, that is just something that is absolutely comical. Now, for Randy Dominic, you figured that there was going to be a little bit of regression setting in, and it has in his last couple starts. You take a look at him for the year. 6-3 record, 361 ERA. Not a swing and miss guy. 23 punch outs over the course of 42 and a third innings, but he keeps the ball in the yard, giving up three home runs. Now, we know that the White Sox are able to do a very good job of that, and for Dominic, he's given up a combined 11 runs over the course of his last three starts. In those three starts, he has went pretty much 12 innings, so certainly has been dealing with that, but you take a look at what you're able to get on the other side for Dane Dunning. Missed the entire 2019 season due to injury. He's looked very sharp here in 2020. He's wound up being able to give the team a grand total of 20 innings over the course of his four starts, and he's been able to be pretty lights out, giving up one home run in the process, 21 strikeouts. You do like what you're seeing there, but for the Minnesota Twins, this is a team that they're starting to get a little bit more whole. Ryan Jeffers at the catcher spot has been doing a solid job. He's hitting above a 275. That has been nice, because if the Minnesota Minnesota Twins are something. It's a very much like a beer league softball league. They don't hit for a lot of average, but they've been hitting for a lot of power, and that is demonstrated by the fact that you've got a bunch of guys that are hitting in that neighborhood of about a 240-ish to a 220-ish. Max Kepler, J.K., Byron Buxton are guys that fall into that category. Ahir Adrianza hitting more in the neighborhood of a buck 83. Eliermo Vargas was so bad that they wound up saying, you know what? No thanks, even though we picked you up from the years and the Diamondbacks a few weeks ago. We're going to sell you off, but then you've been able to get something out of Lamonte Wade Jr. is hitting a 260-361 on base, and the White Sox can relate to those numbers because they've got a whole bunch of guys that have been ripping the cover off the ball so far this year. How about Nick Madrigal and Tim Anderson? Both hitting above a 355. Jose 
Jose Abreu has been able to give this team a 320 batting average. And Eli Jimenez a 307. For Abreu, 15 home runs. He leads the league with 48 RBI. For Mr. Jimenez, he's been able to give this team a double-digit amount of home runs as well. Yohan Makata, along with Luis Robert, earning between a 255 and a 260. Osmani Grandel sitting at 250, but you have been able to get him going with a 360 on base. For the White Sox and the Minnesota Twins, both of these teams have top 10 bullpens, but for the White Sox, they're certainly not going to have Alex Colome along with Cody Heer available. Both of these guys use 25-plus pitches in their game on Monday, but you take a look at the Minnesota Twins, you got to think that they're going to be able to get something decent here out of Dominic. Now, they're probably going to have to look to someone like Luis Sorp or someone out of the bullpen because they wound up having to use up quite a few of their pieces, but you are going to have Sergio Romo as well. I do think that both of these teams, after they stranded a combined 27 men on base on Monday, are certainly going to have a little bit of better luck with men in scoring positions, so I'm going to be taking this total over, but I have a little bit more faith here in Dominic rather than Dane Dunning. Dunning has been solid, but he hasn't been able to give a lot of length. I still have questions as he missed the entire 2019 campaign, so we're going to be going with this total over and going with the Minnesota Twins. 921-922 on the betting board is up next. The Chicago Cubs are going to be playing against the Cleveland Indians. Carlos Carrasco going to be going for the Indians. Meanwhile, you've got you Darvish going for the Chicago Cubs. Now, this total is off the board since this is a game out there in Wrigley Field, but if you're looking at the Cubs, you're going to be playing anywhere between minus 145 and minus 155. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Cleveland Indians is going to be anywhere between plus 135 and seeing as high as plus 142. For Carrasco, he has been the best over pitcher for the Cleveland Indians so far this year. I believe that his home starts have yielded one under. He's actually been a little bit more of an under pitcher on the road, but you take a look at him here in 2020. 2-4 record despite a 3-12 ERA, but you do feel like a little bit of regression is going to set in. 20 walks and 49 innings, and he's given up six home runs, so it's been a little bit up and down there. He has gotten 58 strikeouts, though, and we know this. The Chicago Cubs have not been able to get their star bats going. Now, on Sunday against the Milwaukee Brewers, that was a little bit of a different story, as you've got Ian Hapapare who's doing a great job for this team. He, along with Jason Kipnis, have batting averages that are ranging between a 255 for Kipnis, 273 for Ian App. Both these guys have an on-base that is above a 365. And then Victor Carantini has been okay with his 250 batting average, but you've got Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Kyle Schwarber, Javi Baez, David Bodie, Billy Hamilton, Eliermo Vargas, all hitting a 230 or lower for this bunch. Now, you have been able to get a little bit of something out of Jason Hayward. He's got a non-base percentage hovering right around 400. He had that big home run against Josh Hader over the weekend, so that has been nice for the Cleveland Indians. This is a team that they actually are one of the best in the majors at being able to draw walks, and they've been able to get a little bit of something out of Jose Ramirez along with Framil Reyes. Reyes has a 355 on base, 290 batting average, and for Ramirez, he's got a double-digit round of home runs at a 260 batting average. Francisco Lindor has been able to pick it up a little bit as well. He's hitting north of a 260. Cesar Hernandez hitting in that realm as well, but then you just have a outfield of misfit parts. Taylor Naquin has been able to give this team a little bit of something for Naquin. He's sitting right in the realm of a 240, but then you got Carlos Santana sitting at 210 with a 365 on base. I find that to be a very intriguing split. And then Josh Naylor, Sandy Leon, Oscar Mercado, Roberto Perez, Austin Hedges. The list goes on and on of guys earning below a 200. Now, Naylor hitting a buck 47 with the team. While he was with San Diego, he's doing much better, but certainly not necessarily something that you'd like. And for the Cleveland Indians, the bullpen is going to be very soft for the team. James Karinchek, Brad Hand, Phil Maton, all these guys are going to be available for the Cubs. Bullpen has been a little bit more up and down, but guys like John Adam have come in, and they've been pretty solid. Dwayne Underwood Jr. has been able to give this team some okay innings. And for you, Darvish, this guy has been just absolute magic so far this year. 
an ERA that is sub-2, 72 record. He did wind up giving up that home run in his last start against the Cincinnati Reds, but he's only given up four home runs in 56 innings. Obviously, total is going to rely upon the win, but I'll probably be taking a look at this total under unless if it's something completely harebrained like you wind up getting a six or something like that. That might just be a little bit too low, even if the wind is blowing in, but certainly going to be taking the Cubs on the money line. Check back in the morning on my Twitter feed at JRS41 for the total. 923-924 on the betting board is up next. The Oakland A's are going to be hitting the road face off against the Colorado Rockies. Antonio Sensatella going for the Rockies. Meanwhile, you've got Shamanea on the bump for the Oakland A's. Drawing this game ranging between 11.5 and, and 12 on the 11.5. Over and under, both at minus 110. On the 12, under as juice of minus 120, and the over is even. If you're taking a look at the Colorado Rockies, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus 145 and plus 152. If you're looking to lay it here with the Oakland A's, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 158 and minus 170. For Sean Manea, he's been doing a much better job recently. His start to the year was very, very rocky. That is reflected in the fact that he's got a 4-2 record with a 4.46 ERA. Taking a look at his last five starts, he has given up two earned runs or fewer in every one of them. Now, he did give up three runs in two of those starts, but a lot of those runs were unearned. His swing and miss stuff is not quite what it was in the past 34 punch-outs over the course of 42 and a third innings, but he's also only given up six walks and four home runs. But what you are going to find interesting about Colorado is the fact that even though they're at elevation, their league average when it comes to home runs per at-bat at home, this is a team that they just do a really good job of being able to get on base. Guys like Remy Tapia, Trevor Story, and Charlie Blackman were all hitting above a 290. Our big reason, Josh Fuentes, has been able to hit above a 300 as well. This is a team that certainly has gone a little bit cold with bat. Five runs or fewer, and I believe now 19 out of their last 24 games. But Kevin Pillar, you got to think, is going to be able to pick it up at some point. He's hitting at 225 right now with the Colorado Rockies. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Matt Kemp, Garrett Hampson, both of these guys hitting between a 245 and a 255, and Nolan Arenado has been a little bit lost for this team so far this year, along with guys like Tony Walters, Ryan McMahon, Drew Patera, but when you take a look at the flip side for the Oakland A's, even though the bullpen is very solid, they did have to go to quite a few of their bullpen pieces in game one of their doubleheader, and we know this, traveling to Coors Field, one of the most challenging things that a team can do, the elevation just throws these guys off. As a result, in game one of a lot of these series between the Oakland A's and the Colorado Rockies, you are going to find a little bit more of an over. And for the Oakland A's, this is a team that, as a collective, their batting average is not terrific, but you do have a lot of guys that are able to mash. You've got a very interesting case study here with Matt Olson. Double-digit amount of home runs despite the fact that he's hitting below a 200. And then you've got Tony Kemp along with Marcus Simeon, Ramon Laureano, all these guys hitting between a 219 and a 237. But with Laureano, 350 on base, Tony Kemp a 366. And then you've got Robbie Grossman hitting a 258 with a 376 on base. You just find a lot of these guys in this lineup. And then when you take a look at what you're able to get out of the Rockies bullpen, it's been in the bottom five when it comes to bullpen ERA at home. It has been a little bit shaky. And with Mr. Antonio Sensitive, He's got a 3.69 ERA so far this year. He's been able to give the team actually some tremendous length. I think he's went at least five innings and pretty much all but one of his starts so far this year. So that is something that you're able to look upon. But you take a look at his splits at home, 2.84 ERA. I feel like he's been quite lucky at home as he has won a grand total of 19 innings. He's only given up one home run and two walks, but opponents are hitting 270 off of him. So I do think that that is going to rise a little bit. I think that Manea's hot run is going to come to an end a little bit as well. I do think that the travel is going to play a big part in this one, especially with Oakland having to play too in Seattle on Monday. So I'm going to wind up taking the Colorado Rockies in the spot to go along with the total over. 925-926 on the betting board is up next. The LA Dodgers are going to be hitting the road face off against the San Diego Padres. Zach Davies is going to be going for the pods. Meanwhile, 
Tony Gonsolin is on the bump for the LA Dodgers. If you're looking at the Dodgers, you're going to be laying anywhere between minus 123 and minus 135. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the pods is anywhere between plus 112 and plus 120. Your total is between 8.5 and, and 9. On the 9, the under is just minus 120. The over is even. If you're looking at the 8.5, over is anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 105. For Gonsolin, you wound up being used in long relief in the team series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. I believe that that was the game in which Dustin May wound up getting hurt. And this guy has actually been quite tremendous. He wound up giving up three-run home run in that game against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So if you're looking at his numbers as a raw starter, 0.53 ERA over the course of five starts. I mean, he has been absolutely magnificent. Six walks given up in 28 and two-thirds innings, just two home runs, and he's gotten 28 strikeouts. Now, the thing with him is that the length is not necessarily tremendous. He has went north of five innings just really three times throughout his career, but he has been lengthened out a little bit more, so I think that that's going to be big because the Dodgers did wind up having to go with that bullpen game on Sunday, but you got to think that as a result of them using that bullpen so much on Sunday and not so much on Monday that guys like Bursuit or Gartal, Kenley Jansen and company are going to be available. And for the San Diego Padres, this is a bullpen that has improved quite a bit with Trevor Rosenthal being able to give this team a little bit of something. And for Zach Davies, he has been tremendous so far this year. 54 and the third innings, giving up six home runs and just 15 walks. He was a part of that trade between the Brewers and the Padres in which the Padres clearly won. And for the Padres, they are 4-1 and one in his last five starts. And he has certainly been getting a lot of run support. You take a look at Davies, five plus runs scored from in each of his last four winning starts, and you take a look at Davies. He has actually been a little bit of a victim of unearned runs, but he's given up three earned runs or fewer in each out of his last four starts, which is nice. And for the Padres, we know that this is a team that they certainly are able to heat up with the bats. We saw that on display on Monday as things were one-to-one going into the bottom of the seventh, and then they wind up just playing a bunch of runs in those final two innings as you've got Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, Austin Supernola, Will Myers, Jake Cronenworth, and then you've even got a little bit of a younger guy that was one of their more highly touted prospects in Jorge Ona, all hitting for this team a 290 or greater. So that has been absolutely tremendous. With Myers, he's been able to give the team 13 home runs. Tatis Jr., more like 15. Drixon Profar has picked it up with the bat. He's hitting a 253, and he's got 327 on base. You've even been able to get a little bit of something out of Greg Garcia. He's got a similar on base. And for Trent Kershaw, hitting a 275, and he's in the nine spot right now. I mean, that tells you how fearsome this lineup is. Meanwhile, for the Dodgers, they certainly do have a good lineup of their own, but they've got a couple slugs right now. Jock Peterson, Max Muncie, Cody Bellinger, Ivan Rios, along with Gavin Lux, are all guys earning a 220 or lower. Kike Hernandez has been a little bit up and down. He's hitting a 240. Austin Barnes seems to be sinking back with his batting average, but whenever you get Will Smith out there at the catcher spot, he's got an on-base right around a 400. And then you've got Mookie Betts along with Corey Seager. Both of these guys have been able to give the team a double-digit mile home runs. Both of these guys hitting a 299 or greater, but not having Justin Turner down for what in the fold, I feel like is hurting this team a little bit. I think that we're going to get a very good pitcher's goal here, so I'm going to be going with this total under, but I certainly do think that there's some value here with San Diego. So we're going to be going with the Padres once again in this spot, and we're going to be going with the total under. 927-928 on the betting board is up next. You got the Seattle Mariners playing against the San Francisco Giants. Tyler Anderson is going to be going for the Giantes. Meanwhile, you've got LJ Newsom who's going to be on the bump for the Seattle Mariners. Only seeing this up by Bookmaker right now. The total is 8.5 with the over at minus 120, under at even. And for the Giants, minus 150 favorites for the Seattle Mariners, plus 130. 
for Anderson, I don't know if I can trust him on the road. He has just been all over the place in his last six starts. In his last six starts, he has had, I believe, a complete game. He had one start in which he gave up one run over the course of six plus innings, and in all the other ones, he's given up four plus. So, I mean, he certainly has been Mr. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And for LJ Newsome, he wound up in his last start against the San Francisco Giants, ironically enough, only being able to give the team four outs. I believe that he was hit by a liner and he was knocked out of the game, so you weren't able to get much of a sample size there. He has made one start and one long relief appearance pass set. Total of seven innings. He gave up in those seven innings. Six hits, two runs, and both of the runs that he gave up were solo home runs, so I find that to be a little bit intriguing because we know this with the San Francisco Giants. If there's one thing that they're doing very well, it is being able to put back to ball. You've got a bunch of guys on this lineup that are hitting north of a 275. Mikey Stremski, Donovan Solano have been really two of the headliners for this team, but even at 265, Austin Dickerson has been solid. Darren Ruff, Wilmer Flores, Brandon Belt, along with Evan Longoria is hitting more around a 278. Brandon Crawford, a 270. Joey Barta, 262. Mauricio Dubon, a 281. All these guys doing a solid job. And then you got Justin Smoke, who is DFA'd by the Milwaukee Brewers. Why they currently have him in the lineup, I really don't know. But then you take a look at the flip side for the Seattle Mariners. They might be a little bit burnt out from playing, too. They had to use up a lot of their bullpen pieces in that doubleheader against the Oakland A's in which they were able to split. But for the Seattle Mariners, the top of the lineup has been very good. You take a look at the top four for this team. Dylan Moore, Ty France, along with Kyle Lewis and Kyle Seager. Only Kyle Seager has been hitting below 250, and yet his on-base is a 355. As all these guys, 350 on-base or greater for Lewis, a double-digit amount of home runs now. He has been able to do a great job. Jorge Mamalois, along with Tim Lopez, are two guys hitting between a 255 and a 260 as well. Now, you do have a little bit of something to be desired with a couple of these guys. D. Strange, Gordon, Joseph Odom, Shed Long, along with other guys like... Braden Bishop and Jake Fraley are lighting at 200 lower. And for the Seattle Mariners, they did have to burn through quite a few of their less than trustworthy bullpen pieces in that doubleheader. But Yoshi Arano might be able to come back in this game. I certainly do think that it's a little bit of a question mark as to what you're going to be able to get out of Austin Mishevich. But, I mean, the bigger question mark, in my opinion, is what in the world are you going to be able to get out of Mr. Anderson, who has a 450 ERA? You just take a look at the splits for Tyler Anderson. At home so far this year, he has been a little bit of an up-and-down guy, but he's got a buck 82 ERA on the road that heightens to a 759 in five starts on the road. 21 and a third innings. He has given up 12 walks. Meanwhile, in 24 and two-thirds innings at home, he has given up five walks. So he's clearly much more comfortable at San Francisco. I think that the Seattle Mariners, a team that's currently in the postseason on, going to be able to get the job done. I think that both of these guys wind up giving up runs, especially the Seattle Mariners bullpen. But we're going to be taking this total over, and we're going to be riding with the Seattle Mariners. And the last game up is 929-930 on the betting board. And ironically enough, I knew your post play of the day. Arizona Diamondbacks hit the road faceoff against the L.A. Angels, as it is Mr. Julio Taran, who's going to be going for the Halos. Meanwhile, Madison Bumgarner is on the bump for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Total on this game range between 10 and 10.5. And on the 10.5, the under is juice of minus 110, and the over is minus 110. Meanwhile, on the 10, your over is juice anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115, so pick your juice accordingly there. Meanwhile, with the Angels, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 130 and minus 140. Your plus price here with the Arizona Diamondbacks, anywhere between plus 120 and plus 130. Both of these guys have been absolutely terrible. For Madison Bumgarner, he's giving up 3.7 home runs per nine innings. Both of these guys have went between 26 and 27 innings. They both have gotten 17 strikeouts to 11 walks. So identical numbers there with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They wind up selling off Andrew Chafin and Archie Bradley from the bullpen at the trade deadline. Meanwhile, for the Angels, you've been able to get a little bit more of something out of Cam Bedrosian, along with Felix Pena. Guys like this have been able to do a solid job. 
And they're also backed up by a significantly better lineup as the Arizona Diamondbacks. Four runs or fewer, and I believe now 18 out of their last 21 games. You take a look at the Angels, you've obviously got Mike Trout along with Anthony Rendon. Both of these guys have an on-base percentage that's hovering right around 400, but Andrelton Simmons coming back and giving this team nearly a 300 batting average certainly has been critical to their success. You've been able to get a little bit of something out of Taylor Ward. He's hitting a 260. Jared Walsh has been able to supply some home runs. Now you still have a couple guys that, well, they certainly do need to pick it up with a bat. Guys like Luis Rangifo, Joey Otani, Joe Adele. And Anthony Benboom all hitting a 200 or lower, but David Fletcher coming back into the fold is big. He's got a 364 on base, nearly a 300 batting average. For the Arizona Diamondbacks, they have nothing left of the Marte Parte. Starling Marte wound up getting traded. Quitel Marte is currently on the 10-day injured list, so they really blew that one. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks as well, you've got a couple guys that are doing an okay job of reaching base. Christian Walker's hitting at 272, David Peralta a 280, and then you've got Nick Amato sitting at 260, which is quite surprising, and they've been trying to find a little bit of something out of one of their young prospects in Pevin Smith. He's sitting at 286 with limited at-bats, but then you take a look at Josh Rojas sitting in the neighborhood of a 220, and then it really gets bad. John Jay... Cole Calhoun, Josh Van Meter, Dalton Varshow, Kevin Crone, just to name a few that are currently hitting below a 200 for this bunch. But with that said, if you're looking for someone to get you online, Julio Taran is someone that is doing a very good job of that. You've got two starting pitchers with an ERA north of seven. You've got a pair of bullpens that are not necessarily terrific. The Arizona Diamondbacks being worse than that of the LA Angels. And I think that the Angels should just really take it to the Arizona Diamondbacks here. I'm going to take them on the run line here. I'm going to lay the run in half, take right around a plus 140 price here. And I'm going to be taking this total over as well. And that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this Tuesday. A big thanks to myself for looking at MLB Trends and what have you in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and tune in. And if you ever have a question for the podcast, write that into my Twitter timeline at Jerry's41. Hope you're all safe, healthy, and doing well, and I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.